if you have any unprocessed upsetting things in your life, a funny thing happens in the brain and the body when we're not able to process it through when it happens, it's almost like a capsule is created in your brain or you know, your memory that contains components of whatever that trauma or upsetting thing was, and it keeps it separate from the autobiographical story of your life. Except if anything happens in your life that your nervous system or amygdala, emotional center of your brain, if they pick up on anything that feels remotely similar to one of the things in the capsules, it knocks the adult brain, the one that's present in this moment, offline. And now you're functioning as though you're back in one of those capsules in trauma time and you're reacting to the present as though the trauma were happening now. Welcome to the Union Movement Podcast. The Union Movement exists to help people find wholeness in sexuality, identity, and relationships with a gospel-centered and holistic approach. We hope and pray that this podcast episode is enriching in your life and helps you to see the beauty of God's design for all of these areas. Please enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Union Podcast. My name is Brian Pugh and I'm the co-founder of the Union Movement. We are so glad that you've joined us here today. We've got a great conversation coming up for you. Here in episode 84, we sit down with Tara Lalonde. She is a registered psychotherapist based in Ontario. She has been counseling adults and couples for over 20 years and is a lead marriage therapist with the Hope Restored Marriage Intensive Counseling Program. She also has a private practice that focuses on trauma recovery. Tara holds a doctorate in professional counseling from Liberty University and has a theological training degree through her Master's of Divinity in professional counseling, minoring in pastoral studies. Tara has also appeared on the 100 Huntley Street and the 700 Club, along with other radio programs and podcasts in Canada. She is the author of An Unexpected Freedom, Discover Peace and Joy in the Reality of Life. She is also in the process of publishing a new book she's co-authored that will be out in July 2024. Stay tuned for an incredible conversation with Tara Lalonde. Tara, thank you so much for joining us here on the Union Podcast. Glad to be here. No, we got connected through some of the work that you've done with Focus on the Family Canada. You were part of a six-part uh, video series uh, that's focused on unresolved trauma, and we're obviously we're going to jump into that in today's conversation. But we'd love to hear a little bit about your story and, and uh, how you got into psychotherapy, and also what the process was like writing a book. There you go. God has a real cool sense of humor. Um, in high school, I always loved you know the idea of psychology and all of this, I didn't have the marks. School was really, really hard for my little brain. So I went a completely different route, um, went interior design and worked corporate for a number of years. And actually what brought me back was a crisis in my faith where God became Lord. But I really struggled with reading scripture and understanding scripture. So at the time, Tyndale college and seminary, there was a sign, Ontario Bible College, because I wouldn't have recognized Tyndale, on my way to church. And I thought, oh, okay, well, where's the best place to learn how to read the Bible? I'll go to Bible college. So ended up that it was Tyndale and started taking courses, literally Old Testament 1, starting at Genesis, did Old Testament 1 and then Old Testament 2, and then felt the Lord really redirecting me back to 
school full time. Um, at that time, it was just he didn't say why. So it was for religious studies. My poor parents. I had this career going. Like you're going back to school for religious studies. What do you do with that? I don't know. God didn't tell me. <sighs> but uh, obedience is really, really high for me uh, in my relationship with the Lord. So I did one year at the college, and then felt like the Lord was leading me into the seminary, bringing back my first love, which was professional counseling. So I got my master's of divinity, professional counseling, graduated from that in, I think it was 04. And then a few years later, after I got married, was working, felt like the Lord was pressing me again. And I didn't want to do more education. So I probably wrestled with him for a good two years. It wouldn't go away. You can't say no to the Lord. You can, I guess, but I didn't. So I ended up having to go back and get my PhD, which I did. Uh, My dissertation, which may or may not relate to some of our conversation today. My dissertation was on the Hope Restored Marriage Intensive Program. And I studied couples who had gone through marriage intensives uh, in a qualitative study, just looking at couples who were able to maintain the gains that they got and ones who weren't. My question was why? So really, really cool things came out of that research. And God has just done some cool things with that. Um, But then continued on in private practice, graduated with my PhD in 2014. And then around 2016, the Lord was putting it on my heart to write my first book. And as you might be noticing in this journey for me, I wrestled a little bit with that. I'm not an author, Lord. I'm not an academic. Do I really have to do this? Thankfully, I only wrestled for two or three months with this because he and I have a bit of a routine now. I know how this goes. So... Yes. So I ended up writing my first book. That one is called An Unexpected Freedom. And basically, I walk my readers down into the valley of dying to self, surrendering all of our good wants and desires and all the unhealthy stuff, and then rising up the other side of the valley to unexpected freedom, allowing him to be Lord of our lives and lead works way better than any path that I would have created for myself. So I published that at December 2016 and kind of took a break from that. And then in 2018, connected with Focus on the Family, Hope Restored, and brought the Hope Restored program to Ontario. They were running in Calgary and then they were running in Manitoba. So we did that. We launched in 2020, promptly got shut down, and then slowly started to, to go from there. So currently. I do every other week, pretty much, Hope Restored Marriage Intensives. And in the last couple of years, I've changed my practice from general practitioner, psychotherapist to focused trauma therapist. Oh, I love it. That's amazing. What was it that happened in 2020? I can't seem to remember why it would be shut down. Not really a big deal, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like I bring that up every time somebody mentions it. I don't, I just need to move on. I think that's probably what I need to do. There you go. Getting a little old. 
Yeah. Well, well absolutely we, could, love we that. could do some trauma work about that if you need it. You know what? I, it's showing itself that it might be helpful. There you <laughs> so go. You just <laughs> let the Lord lead you in this conversation. Maybe this is just about me today, but um, I'm excited too to talk about. You have a book coming out in uh, July of this year. Can you tell us about that project? Absolutely. That's super exciting too. Um, funny. Halfway through this first book that I was writing, I felt like the Lord said, there's another one. For real, Lord, I'm not even done the first one. And I'm not an author, but I am an author. But that was kind of put on hold. Basically, the premise of that book was to tie together some of the findings coming out of my research from my dissertation and this real devotion to the Lord. Well, as I was going through training for Hope Restored, I connected with Bob Paul, one of the creators of the Hope Restored program. And he's written a whole bunch of different books um, and just connected with him and let him know what my thoughts were that, Hey, I would love to partner with you to create this book on this. And he said, Oh my goodness, Tara. When he, when he read through my proposal, he said, Tara, I've tried to write that book twice. And the Lord just kept closing the doors and the timing just felt right. This is what we're going to do. That wasn't totally right. Cause that was around 2019 and we're not publishing until July of this year, but it began this process and writing with Bob Paul has just been a real joy. He's a seasoned author, but just so humble and amazing. The book is called empowered to love. And basically what we do and what we love about the hope restored program is it looks at marriage and the approach to marriage in a pretty different way from most people who write and talk about marriage. We see healthy marriage starting with two healthy adults. So we put a lot of focus and emphasis on personal responsibility, on making sure you have a healthy emotional, spiritual, physical, mental well-being in what we call your own yard, if you imagine a boundary around you, that's 100% your responsibility. Your spouse's ESPM, emotional, spiritual, physical, mental well-being, are not your responsibility. We have influence, but it's not the responsibility. So uh, he and Greg Smalley wrote a book really describing the whole program. That's called Nine Lies That Will Destroy Your Marriage. And he outlines the program and the focus of that book is really on the marriage and both sides of the marriage. This book is taking the personal responsibility piece to a deeper level. We still talk about the marriage and how that ends up impacting the marriage, but we really focus on the personal responsibility. We give a whole bunch of resources, ways to kind of help yourself, connect with the Lord more, just a whole ton of resources in there. So we're super excited about that book coming out. Uh, we're excited about that too. We're going to keep our eyes open for that. And we'll definitely, again, uh, make sure we get that in front of our listeners when it's available for sure. I, I love what, well, I love what you've kind of unfolded there because, um, I think even that concept of somebody else's emotional health, uh, not necessarily being your responsibility, obviously we need to support people, um, mm -hmm. could be revolutionary for a lot of people. Um, 
And, and I think, you know, as we jump into today's conversation, as we discuss trauma, um, I think that that approach or not understanding those boundaries properly have probably led to a lot of trauma, um, for people. Um, so I love that. I love that you're diving into that. That's fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, just as we were talking before, before we kind of got started here, uh, in this, in the series that we're doing on singleness, on healthy relationships, on healthy marriages, um, we wanted to kind of kick it off. Um, this is our second episode of the series, but we wanted to jump in and talk about trauma because, uh, even if we have healthy practices and principles and discovering relationships and, and, and seeing obviously the, the beautiful design that marriage is supposed to be, if we don't heal from what's hurt us, as I heard somebody say, if you don't heal from what hurt you, you'll bleed on people that didn't cut you and, yeah. and it, and it shows itself. So this is why I find this so important. And I, I'm really looking forward to, um, your perspective, now, I mentioned that you had done a work with Focus on the Family, doing that, um, approaching unresolved trauma and how to how to navigate through that. What has really stood out to you in your work uh, with marriages and marriage counseling, um, the effects of trauma? Particularly on a relationship, you're asking? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> we're relational beings, right? And we interact with one another. Our brains are really wired to co-regulate as well as, as we're adults, regulate our own emotions. So this is going to come out if you're not able to regulate your emotions. And if unresolved trauma, and I know we're going to get into more like what is even trauma, because it's way broader than what most people think. But basically, if you have any unprocessed upsetting things in your life a funny thing happens in the brain and the body when we're not able to process it through when it happens it's almost like a capsule is created in your brain or you know your memory that contains components of whatever that trauma or upsetting thing was and it keeps it separate from the autobiographical story of your life now that sounds like, oh, that's not so bad. It's all tucked away. Mm. Except if anything happens in your life that your nervous system or amygdala, which is just the emotional center of your brain, if as they scan 24-7, awake or asleep for danger, if they pick up on anything that feels remotely similar to one of the things in the capsules, it knocks the adult brain, the one that's present in this moment, offline and now you're functioning as though you're back in one of those capsules in trauma time and you're reacting to the present as though the trauma were happening now so what does that look like in relationship what that looks like an example that i included in empowered to love in my own marriage one day my husband vince and i i was encouraging him he for a long time wanted to buy a pickup truck and he had researched for three months and, you know, thinking about this and talking about this. And, and that's just something really cool about his brain and how it works. So this particular Sunday, I'm making dinner and I'm encouraging him buy this truck. This is so good. But I must have talked on too long. Again, we're not in a conflict at all. But I must have talked on too long because he got distracted with some maintenance thing related to our back door. And that can happen with just how his brain is wired. So he's focusing on this and 
I'm not swayed by this because this is normal for us. But what happened was he opened the door and he walked out and he closed the door. He was just that distracted with this. And this hit a button for me, like a, a big button for me. And I lost my mind. I wish I could say, and this is only about five or six years ago. I wish I could say, you know, I'm all together and I'm able to do this. Yeah, I have a human brain too. And boy, did that button get hit. And when I got, I set my face, guys, that's a little bit embarrassing, but I set my face as I'm looking at him because I wanted him to, I knew he was coming back. I wanted him to know I was upset. And he came in and he's like, what, what's wrong? You walked out while I was talking. And he said, I thought you were done. So it was in the middle of a sentence. And I hit something in him and his kind of flight reaction hit. And he went, sorry, and bolted and just left. And I was left there for real. I'm not an angry person. That's not typically a response for me. I was shaking. I was so angry. And at that point, my adult brain started to come back online and all of my education and what I teach my clients and whatever else. I'm like, oh, wow, that was really a big reaction to a somewhat minor thing. Something's going on inside and tried to settle my nervous system a little bit. But that began a journey for me to figure out what was that about? Because while it was probably disrespectful that he walked out the door, it was not warranting the reaction that my body had. Right. So this can happen to any of us. What I ended up doing on that journey as I explored into history what the roots of this reaction were, I found a mistaken belief that, okay, my language at the time that resonated with my body, I'm unchosen. But what that really means is Tara's great unless something better comes along. And then we just set her aside until the better thing goes away. And then we come back to Tara. Oh gosh, and as I'm saying that to you now, as I've just described it, I'm like, wow, that's exactly what he did. The door was more important. I hadn't actually made that connection until right now. That's cool. But yeah. We're here so, to help. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> but I ended up, you know, exploring my history, looking at some of the roots, and even getting down to, you know what? I hit a point that I couldn't resolve just by thinking about it and talking about it. So I reached out to a colleague, did a trauma therapy called E. MDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, which is a really powerful, research-supported, effective, and relatively quick therapy if you realize there's some things back there that you need to resolve. I did that. I had one session and figured out what that mistaken belief was and was able to resolve it. So my nervous system and that capsule got resolved. It's not a thing anymore. If he just does that today in whatever format, it's still annoying. Like it still might hit something, but I have not reacted more than that. My relationships have changed with pretty much everyone since I did that. I realized I was showing up based on that belief everywhere I went and I don't anymore. Hmm. That was a big, long answer. Sorry. No, that's amazing. What you were saying earlier about, you know, people taking personal responsibility. It's like, yes, you could have a, you know, a simple conversation with your husband. Hey, when I'm talking, could you be more aware to not walk out the door right. when you're distracted? Right. Like that's like a simple, okay, sure. But I love what you're saying here. If you are willing to do the personal work mm -hmm. of finding like, what are those 
mistaken beliefs about mm-hmm. yourself, then it's going to transform your relationships and help you stay like, you know, sometimes you read in marriage books or advice and you're like, oh yeah, that's all very logical. But what happens when I don't feel logical? Indeed. So I, yeah, I love what you're saying there about doing, doing that deeper work. And I, um, you know, maybe a follow-up question here. You mentioned, you know, trauma might be a certain thing that we think we're thinking like, you know, drastic car accidents or, you know, being abused or like really intense things, which mm-hmm. certainly there are going to be listeners who are, de- who have dealt with those things. Yeah. Um, but could you explain maybe even the impact of, I've heard people nickname it like little T trauma or big T trauma. Yeah. Can you talk about that concept? Absolutely. So the examples that you gave there would be examples of big T trauma. And big T trauma can be kind of in two different camps, if you will. Single incident could be the the car accident or, you know, something that happened just once. Even an an attack or 9-11 or a natural disaster. Those are big T trauma, single incident. They're traumatic. People would generally say, yes, that's a traumatic thing that happened to you. And we can recognize that. There's also complex big T trauma. And this one is important to unpack a little bit because what makes it complex is there tends to be a repeated traumatic environment like childhood abuse. So you grow up in this toxic, painful environment, but there's no real beginning and end to the trauma. And in fact, Often people who go through that kind of history, because our bodies, God created them in this cool way to be resilient, they don't even call it trauma. Like it was just, it was just what we did. It was normal. It was what I grew up with. That's not trauma. Because everybody can everybody can think of a worse trauma that's happened to somebody else. And somehow that helps us feel like, well, mine wasn't so bad. It helps us go on with ordinary life. But remember those capsules. Yeah, they hold the pain, whether it's in the mistaken beliefs, whether it's in body sensations that can happen held in that capsule, whether it's emotional distress held in this capsule that's not really present in my day-to-day, but when it gets triggered, I'm showing up the way I was when I was five or 10 or 15 with that kind of response rather than logically I know I'm not in an abusive relationship right now and I've changed my life and I've done all this work, but all that work doesn't touch the capsules unless you do something that's a little bit more targeted. So that's big T complex. Side note I want to mention here, it's not just overt trauma or abuse. Neglect is often forgotten. And people think, well, it wasn't trauma. It was just my parents weren't available. Because we're social beings and God wired us to even our nervous systems, our emotional regulation system, the only way that we can learn that is through parents or primary caregivers modeling and teaching and mirroring that for us. If you have an absence of connection, that's traumatic for a developing nervous system because it needs that. So even if, but nothing happened, but 
capsules were created, trauma was experienced, and lots of mistaken beliefs get written there when care isn't there. This, I mean, this makes me, as you're talking about that, makes me think about like the biblical concept of sin or transgression and how sometimes that can be translated into like a missing of the mark or a brokenness. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, man, it sounds like the things that traumatize us, whether it's the brokenness of the world, like you said, a natural disaster or, or brokenness of our bodies or brokenness of relationship. It sounds like trauma is the mark of sin or the, would that be right? It certainly can be when our own sin or sins committed against us or the fallenness of the world happens, absolutely our bodies can respond. This is a trauma. Absolutely, that's true. But that does lead me to be thinking about little t trauma, which is less so about that. I mean, man, sin is so pervasive, but it's not always sin. Sometimes anything happens in life that it was a weak moment or, you know, I haven't really slept with children, they are more vulnerable. So lots of things can get written as a trauma. Basically, a capsule gets written because the experience wasn't fully processed at the time. So that could be anything at all. That could be, you know, I had a falling out with my best friend, right? I mean, that happens. So many people have that. And yet, if it happens in the wrong moment and, you know, kids are particularly mean that day, that maybe didn't get resolved and created a capsule. And in the capsule, then some mistaken beliefs start getting written and those become a dominant story, even though for somebody else, it wouldn't necessarily be, or maybe even another time in that child's life, it wouldn't be, but all of a sudden it became one. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And I, I think sometimes when we talk about sin, we, we talk about it as a specific action, mm-hmm. forgetting that we're actually born into an atmosphere that is not right. It's the, the atmosphere that we live in is not the way that God intended. And we've, we've missed like even just life in general is not the way it's, it should have been, it's, it's missed the mark. And so yeah. the, the difficulties that we face in this life, um, you know, I would probably just a general sense fall into that little T trauma where the big T is a specific action or like you say, even the purposeful inaction or negligence in somebody's life as well. I totally get that. Yeah. Even if it's not intentional, Mm -hmm. right? This stuff can happen. So, you know, for all those listeners out there, the idea is not to freak them out that, oh my gosh, what have I done? Have I ruined my kids? No, you have not ruined your kids. We live in a fallen world. Yes. Yeah. That's really reassuring for me as a dad, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know you're not ruining your kids. The goal is not perfect parenting. The goal cannot be perfect parenting. We live in a fallen world. We're fallen beings. And all of our brains, whether we have done a ton of work on ourselves or none, all of our brains go offline sometimes. And that's going to be that way until we get to glory. Can we reduce that? Can we heal and reduce the number of little memory capsules that are stuck? Absolutely we can. And that's part of our redemptive journey, our sanctification, if you will, 
we're becoming more and more like Christ as we allow him to lead us and heal us and show him the show us the areas of brokenness and let the healing come when we're resistant to that well that's probably sin too right but life is harder when we resist where the lord might be leading us but honestly when you think about relationships this is an amazing place to find areas of healing because god wants to continue to heal us as we move towards glory the hope of eternity is one day everything will be set right yeah absolutely and i think that's the hope too that even and I think that's why James one can write it the way that, it, that James does, like in saying, count it all joy as you face trials of many kinds, like these trials, like you, how, how do you look at big T trauma and, and say that mm-hmm. this is something that should be counted as joy? I don't, I don't think that's, that's necessarily the way that it's supposed to look at, but the, the character of God to bring even a post-traumatic growth in our life and mm-hmm. healing and redemption is like that's the anchor for our soul in, in Jesus, the hope that we have in him in, in the future, making things right, but also his ability to turn those painful scenarios in our life into beauty, to bring beauty from ashes to, to restore us, you know? Yeah. And that's really powerful. God is never okay with abuse. He is never, ever, ever okay with that. He did not send that to you because he wants to do something good with it. That's, that's just not his character. And yet he allows sin to continue in the world because it would also go against his character to control us. But what he offers us is we are not bound and defined by our trauma. And whatever may have happened, whatever may have happened to you, God is there when it was happening. He was with you and he loves you and it was happening to him too. And there's something really powerful about now in adulthood, as we try to reprocess that, God can show us how he was there. God can help us change the story. Not so that we think, oh yeah, that it didn't matter that that happened. Oh no, it always matters that that happened. It's never okay. But the point is, I don't have to live in the trauma today. It can be something that happened horrendously then. And I am okay today. And God is using this to make me more like him. Basically taking all the power out of the enemy's attempts to destroy us. Yeah. Because he can't win when we yeah. do that. Amen. I love it. That's so good. So good. Uh, in your in the e course, you talked about procedural maps and mm-hmm. the role that they they play as as filters and and in, in shaping our perspectives in life. Could you kind of unpack that concept and and what kind of what that would mean to our listeners? Yeah. So basically, procedural maps as our brains develop, they. I'm going to put this two ways. They're super, super efficient and a little bit lazy. So basically, as we experience a new or novel experience, our brain has to use much more energy to figure out, well, what do I do in this situation? So, you know, learning to read, learning to ride a bicycle, learning to drive a car, learning to cook, anything 
new that you're learning takes effort. But once your brain has a sense of whatever that is, knows what to do in that situation, it no longer has to think about, okay, what do I do with that? Right? And it just pulls out a procedural map. So this is part of the memory system that isn't in the conscious part of your brain anymore. It's in the subconscious and we've got maps for everything. It's like an app for everything. Well, we've got a map for everything, right? And it pulls that up. Well, some of those maps are relational maps. So when somebody yells at me, oh, there's a map for that. This is how I respond to that. When I'm in, when somebody's trying to control me, oh, there's a map for that. Depending on how you grew up and what you learned, I have this emotion. Well, what do I do with that? Are emotions safe? Are emotions dangerous? Are emotions, are only some emotions acceptable and others not? All of those get written on these procedural maps. So when something happens in our life today, our brain just automatically, oh, this is how I show up. So we never think about that. If you've got healthy attachment, parents who were able to regulate their own emotions and thus teach your brain how to regulate your emotions, they're really, really helpful and they're good. In the maps, there can be beliefs about who I am, beliefs about the world. The world is generally safe. The world is dangerous. I'm capable to face challenges and learn. I'm incapable of handling bad things that happen in this world. Like all of these maps and rules determine how you show up. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. How, how much like in your, in your work within marriage counseling, like how, how much of family of origin plays in to somebody like, cause I think that's something that actually gets diminished is like, sometimes people don't want to talk about how they were raised or the difficulties or even the joys of being raised up. Cause they don't want to make their family be put in this bad light, but how mm-hmm. much of that does actually play into the formative realities as we progress into adulthood? Yeah. Way more than people would think. And guys, this is not blame your parents. I'm going to say that again. This is not blame your parents. It's just not, but it's how our brains develop. I mean, our brains are constantly from birth until death, actually pre-birth, to be honest with you, as soon as our brains start developing, this is how they work all the way until we meet the Lord in glory. And who knows, like maybe they're going to keep doing stuff. We don't know what our glorified brains are going to do. That's just thoughts that Tara has that are interesting. Anyway. As you think about all these different experiences, yes, it's your family of origin, simple things, right? You learn those things. It's what you experience as normal. It's not wrong. It's just what you experience. And that impacts how you show up. Another example from my marriage with Vince, in his family, his mom would do most of the cooking. And if she ever forgot something, which was pretty rare. She's pretty sharp. But if she ever forgot something or ran out of something, she would run to the store and get that because I don't know why my father-in-law had other things, whatever, but that was just how they did things. She's the cook. She's preparing food. She runs to the store. It's hers. 
Amazing. So good. In my family, different. Neither is right or wrong. My mom also did most of the cooking. And if ever she forgot something or ran out of something, and my dad were home, let's say it's on the weekend, she would ask him like, oh, hey, could you run to the store and get some extra milk? And he, without a doubt, would go to the store and get some milk. And that would be fine. So that's what I grew up with. Why is this important? This seems really irrelevant. No, no. When I married Vince, I do the majority of the cooking. And unfortunately, I don't have a really sharp brain for things like that, like my mother-in-law does. So it's oftentimes I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I don't have enough milk for this. Why didn't you check? I don't know, because I thought I did. But early on, I had this expectation. Vince, could you just run to the store and get milk for me? And he would be kind of like, no, that's your responsibility. You should have prepared and I'm doing this other thing, which created sort of minor conflict, but it's because what we experience, we think is normal, that gets written in procedural maps and that's how we show up in relationships. Now imagine you grew up in a super conflictual family of origin where Certain emotions weren't acceptable. Showing any kind of weakness isn't acceptable. And another spouse grows up in a completely different environment, maybe that's maybe quieter and you don't have the loud conflict. It's quieter, but emotions are also allowed. So tears are welcome and we can talk about things. Well, these two people come together, those emotions for the conflictual spouse look controlling whereas the person who grew up in this other environment these aren't controlling this is just what's here and on the flip side this person is used to peace this one is more loud in expression of maybe the angry emotions and doesn't feel like this is offensive in any way it's just what we do but this other person is like oh my gosh this is so dangerous i can't do this that's just because what they got used to. Is this making sense? Uh, probably more than you know. <laughs> <laughs> right? Everybody, because we're just an audio world. Bonnie just looked over at me just through some of that. But. Um, well, because, and I, I hope this is okay to share based on what you just said. What, we'd been married for about a month and somebody asked us, have you, had, have you guys had a fight yet? And... At the same moment, Brian answers no, and I answer right? yes, because our thought of what a fight was was so different based on our family of origin. Like my family, I'm like, I could tell my parents were, I'm like, oh, something's mm-hmm. happening. There's tension in the air. Oh, now it's gone. They must have sorted it out, like behind a whispering behind a closed door or writing out notes mm-hmm. to each other. And then Bri's family was just far more expressive when it came to, to conflict or fight. So I'm like, in a month, of course we've had tension. Of course we've had disagreements. And Brian's like, what? I didn't notice. Like, <laughs> I thought I wouldn't have missed <laughs> Anyways. that. Yeah, totally. Anyway, so what you're saying there, you know, connecting that, like, this isn't about blaming our, this isn't about blaming our parents, but recognizing the, the maybe it's like, what can we say? Like, none of our families nope. are perfect. 
and none of us exude like, oh yeah, we balanced everything. So then it is when you come into a relationship and that could be in marriage or even in friendship or whatever, coming to you're coming with just different perspective. And so, Mm -hmm. so maybe a question, you know, how, how can you maybe, oh, I feel like I have multiple questions in my head. How can you recognize within yourself or within a significant other that, oh, there's, this is unresolved trauma. What would be some indications that that's what you're dealing with? Good question. Not as easy as one might think to answer because all of us have these, you know, capsuled memory things that have been broken off, big T or little T. So we all have stuff that we can go back to, to get some resolution with. So on the the high end, everybody has unresolved, little T trauma at least. Does that mean everybody should be in therapy and I'm just trying to get business? No, that's not at all the case, right? If the trauma needs attention, if it's really showing up that, okay, this is problematic, you're going to find kind of ingrained, stuck ways of showing up. Whether it's, I know this is totally illogical and I want to change, but then I absolutely can't. I find myself doing the same thing over and over again, even though I consciously, intentionally don't want to. That could be, huh, there might be something there that's knocking the adult spirit-led part of you offline when you get triggered. There might be trauma there. Another thing that you can think about, many mental health, but also a lot of physical can have roots in trauma. So if you have tried other therapies or other medical treatments and it just seems like nothing seems to be working, it's possible, it's not definite, but it's possible that there might be a trauma root to that. And if there is, it's not going to heal with the other things. But if you can actually get one of those capsules and resolve it, the change is quick. I've had, I've had clients who I've done EMGR with who couldn't lose weight and all of a sudden were able to lose weight. Had physical pain and stopped having physical pain. So like you go, that's crazy town. Even someone with, you know, thinning hair and then their hair stopped thinning. <laughs> right? And that wasn't that wasn't why they came to me, but as they were working with this, after we did some EMTR, they were kind of like, okay, Tara, crazy thing. This is happening. And then went back to their doctor and their doctor said, Oh, whatever it is that you're doing is working. And the only thing she was doing was trauma therapy. <laughs> I was like, what? That's awesome. So we're integrated, body, soul, spirit. What happens to one part of us will impact the other. Absolutely. I can't say that EMDR is the heel of everything. It's absolutely not. But it might be something that's there. Well, I, I think, I think the, the, the template that God lays out for us is to confess, is like the power of disclosure. And so whether like that, that approach to therapy is just a pathway, a means towards 
that confession and just bringing things into the light and just really examining and, and being vulnerable, letting that wall down. Like, I think that's what God invites us to. And that's the type of, um, you know, like in James five sixteen, we talk about it a lot. Like we confess our sins one to another. Mm-hmm. And obviously like we've already defined that some things are not necessarily connected to the action of sin, but like confessing these things, uh, and we pray for one another that we'd be healed. Like there is, there is a template mm-hmm. and a model that's, that's there for sure. Absolutely. And one thing I, I want to caution, and I'm, I'm sure this isn't where you were going with this, but sometimes people get really stuck in spiritualizing trauma and this idea of all you need to do is confess and whatever. Confession is absolutely important and it is so powerful. And yet with some of these traumas, it's more than that. Because even if that adult spirit-led self is confessing and wanting to do this, if the capsule doesn't have any access to that and they don't, then it's like there's a wall between. But the cool thing is, whether it's with EMDR or being able to go back in your imagination to that place connecting with the emotion of it, all the senses of it, and bringing Jesus into that moment, he can bring the healing and change the story in the capsule, which can make a difference. So it's really bringing in his power to heal, and he knows where to go. Like Even if consciously we don't know where to go, he can take us to those places, and he can replace the lies that we're not even sure of. And he can point out, you're believing this, and that's not what I have for you, beloved. And then he can change it, and there's something really powerful when he shows up and changes that, and it's all of a sudden, oh, we believe it now, whereas maybe your pastor or your friends have been saying it for years, but it just didn't have access the way Jesus does or the way going to these places with something like EMDR can. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. I think like confession is just really beginning that journey of healing. And it's like the, the end, the starting gate that you go through, but like, mm-hmm. could you even on that note, just unpack, like, what does that practically look like, you know, for people who maybe they, they do realize that this is connected to trauma. This is connected to some, maybe some deeper level, um, issues within their heart. Like what does a practical uh, process of healing look like that in that way? Okay, so there's a couple of different things. What you can do on your own, sort of as a a first level, let's see if I can do this. Basically, it's what in Hope Restored Language we call a care cycle. And there's, there's five A's with the care cycle. I'm pretty sure I included that in the trauma videos as well. I know it's in the Nine Lies book by Bob and Greg. It's also gonna be in Empowered to Love because repetition is always really helpful for our brains. So The first A is become aware of what's happening inside. So if you're noticing, uh, like my hands were shaking and I was sweating and whatever, if you notice something happening physiological, be curious about that. I wonder what this is. If you're noticing you're reacting in bigger ways than maybe you want to, be curious about that. The next A is accept. This one's hard because you first have to accept the feelings that you're having and some of them are uncomfortable and we don't like to. We're wired to resist and push away pain. This is actually inviting pain to come closer so that we can help it and accept the responsibility to care for this. I'm not taking my pain and saying you caused it so you fix it. It doesn't work that way. Even if we want it to, our bodies just don't work that way. If you get in a car accident, 
you can't make the other person heal your body that hit you. Like you, you just can't do that. It's now my body. I have to heal it. That's accept. Um, allow is allow the Lord's perspective. So we're asking him, please help me to see this situation, my trauma, whatever else, whatever is at the root of this, show me your perspective. And there's more that you can pray in that. Show me that my spouse is not my enemy, whatever it is. And then you move into kind of the heavy lifting of the care cycle, which is attend. And attend, there's five or more questions. The first one, what am I feeling? Actually being able to identify those emotional words. You know, I'm feeling hurt. Okay, yes. See if you can dig deeper. What flavor of hurt is it? I'm feeling violated. I'm feeling rejected. I'm feeling lost. Those are all very different feelings, but give so much more information to understanding what's going on. Have I felt this way before? Well, yes. I felt this way in my marriage often. Okay. Have I felt it before my marriage? Huh. Yes, I have felt it before my marriage. I felt it when I was in school. Have I felt it? And you go back to kind of the earliest. Now you're beginning to look for the root of this. That, oh, maybe there's a much younger theater memory that feeds the reaction that's there. Another really important question, am I doing anything to contribute to this or make it worse? An example of that could be, am I replaying this over and over? Am I coming up with all kinds of different scenarios? Am I having a conflict with my spouse in my own head when they're not even in the room? Am I shaming myself? Am I criticizing myself? These are all potential things that when I do this, I actually make it feel worse. Am I shutting it down, trying to ignore it and stuff it in a box? That makes it worse. Imagine one of your kids needing to pee. Mommy, 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 mommy. Yes, yes, what? I have to pee. Okay, go. Right? But if you don't listen, then they're going to start freaking out. Right? So am I doing something to make this worse? Then we get to, Lord, what is true? And true is a really cool question. I'm going to do big T and little t on true as well. Little t truth is, yeah, Vince blocked out when I was talking. That actually happened. That's true. And I let my brain go offline. That's true. That happened. And Vince ran away and didn't continue the conversation. That happened. That's true. And I felt hurt by that. And Stirred some different things about that. Yeah, that's absolutely true. In this question, what are some big T truths? Well, big T truth, I know that Vince loves me. I really do know that he loves me. Even though maybe in that moment I didn't feel particularly loved, he loves me very, very much in a Vince way, which is also true. He doesn't love me the way I would love because God wired him this way and he wired me this way and god designed it that way that's true vince is not my enemy that's true god loves me oh that's really true god loves me at the depths of my soul and even when i'm not feeling as loved and cared for by vince i'm not without resource i can crawl up on his knee and he can comfort me 
already your nervous system is starting to settle and you're feeling comforted because yeah, this stuff is true. Also true in my story, there's probably some deeper things that maybe I can explore more. I did a number of care cycles on that particular thing and found this. One of those care cycles, as you're connecting with the familiar place and asking the Lord to bring truth, use your imagination. Imagine little five or six-year-old Tara, or you, in that uh, houseboat where my aunt's friend is babysitting us, my sister and I, and I don't really know my aunt's sister and how afraid I was. And I imagine myself there and I can picture the room that we were in and that experience. And I can picture her coming in and scolding me because I was crying because I was scared and I'm five or six and I don't know this woman or this place, but she's scolding me for being difficult. And I can picture that. And now ask the Lord to come into that picture and imagine him entering into that space. And he comes into that space in my mind. But the cool thing is we're actually asking the Lord who lives and is beyond time to come into a memory. So he comes into that memory that still feels alive in my body. And he sits on the bed and he puts his arm around me and he says, I'm here. And your mom and dad are going to be coming home soon. And I snuggle into him. And something about that memory is no longer her and her angry face. It's more there with Jesus. So now when I think of that memory, I think of being on the bed with Jesus. And actually my sister snuggled in too. And we're in a safe place. And that woman, okay. But that's not what the memory holds for me anymore. And now I can go forward knowing that I'm safe and secure because he's with me. Does that make sense? Yeah. So one last question in this, because I want to finish my care cycle. I said there were five A's. I only gave you four. Last question in attend is, what do I need or want right now that I and the Lord can give me, not somebody else, something within my power that helps me to show up with integrity? Because I want to show up the woman God intended me to be, not the compromised one who's breaking up because of my trauma. What do I need? And answer to that question, while I went through a number of those memories, that was one of them. One of the times through it was, "Mm, you actually need to go and get therapy because this one is stuck. And just in my own journey, inviting the Lord into a memory, it was too stuck. I don't know why, it just was. Action, do that thing. The answer to that question, go do that. So I reached out to a colleague and I did this. Act step could be, I need to confess. I need to own my component of whatever this is. And I need to lay it at the altar and allow the Lord to take this. Or maybe an action step might be, I need to now go and have a conversation with my spouse and talk about what happened. Maybe I need to apologize to my spouse. Maybe I need to be curious about what happened over there for you when you said this or that thing. What was that about? But from what we call cared up place, not an accusatory place. Because once I'm cared up, I can now come back with an open heart, wanting to reconcile, have compassion and curiosity, not judgment or blame. Did that answer your question? Yeah, beautifully. I love 
I mean, some things that I'm tying together in our conversation is that like what you said near the beginning of our conversation was that like we take responsibility for ourselves just because someone hurt us doesn't mean like sometimes I hear people say like you triggered me Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like, so now I'm just going to run away and I'll forever be triggered by these types of things instead of saying, no, I take responsibility now. Mm But then what you said there from your own story of, I am not without resource because of my connection to God himself. And I think, you know, with what we do with the union movement, we're always talking, helping people find wholeness. Someone asked me the other day, like, what's your like goal? Like when you're talking with people, I'm like, well, if I were to get underneath it all, I would say it's that they could know they could trust the father, Mm -hmm. that they would know he's a safe place. because you're right. Like when we feel I'm not without resource, like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, my, maybe a friend disappointed me or a spouse, my spouse disappointed me or my parents disappointed me or my children disappointed me. Like there is one who is holy and he can be trusted with the oh, weight right. of my heart. So I love that. Yeah. Maybe as we, I know we, I feel like we could just keep going. I right? love having him join this conversation. Um, but I know we have limited time. What would you say for someone who maybe their friend or their, or we get to keep it with in a romantic relationship, maybe someone they're dating, engaged to married, you're realizing, Oh, you are dealing with pretty strong, like some pretty serious mm. trauma. How can we support, let's say spouse. How can we support our spouse? who is healing from trauma? Yeah, really, really good and important question. Because again, it goes back to your own yard, right? So you need to be really, really careful when you're speaking into somebody else's yard. If I say, this is what's going on for you and you need to fix this and you need to work on this and whatever else. Well, I don't know about you. Has anybody ever come to you that way? our natural response is going to be resistance and putting up a wall. You can't tell me what I need to do. Even if your intentions and your heart is good, even if what you're seeing is right. But we actually don't have authority to go into somebody else's yard and pull their weeds. We don't have that authority. In fact, Jesus doesn't even come into our yard and pull our weeds without our permission. So that's difficult. But we can. It doesn't mean so I I say nothing. No. You can be curious. Notice I've used that word a lot. The anecdote to judgment is curiosity. Right? So instead of judging your spouse, be curious about that. I wonder what's going on. I've noticed that this happens. Any idea what that's about? Let them be the expert on their life. No, I don't know what that's about. But notice if you're open and curious and doing it in this gentle way, they're more open to talk about it. Whereas you have anger issues, you need to work on that. They're not going to be real open to talk about that. Man, I've noticed that when things like this happen, I tend to get really angry quickly. Any idea what that's about? No, I don't know what that's about. And I'm I'm sorry, because I don't want to get angry like that. Yeah, I know. I believe that about you. And yet, it keeps happening. 
Well, I'm trying to work on it. Cool. That's awesome. I believe that. I wonder if it's stuck like that, if maybe there could be something in your history. Any idea what that is? No, there's nothing wrong with my history. I had a good upbringing. Okay. Fair enough. Any way that I can pray for you about that or anything that I can do that might help you with that? Right? Not forcing it. If you're getting a strong reaction or negative reaction, back off. Pray for them. What can you do to help? Well, you can stop pressing my buttons. Oh, man. I would love to be able to do that. It's actually not within my power. Please know that it's never my intent, or at least it's usually not unless I'm particularly compromised to press your buttons. And I'm really sorry that that makes it more difficult for you. I will definitely go away and be talking to the Lord to make sure that I'm showing up with integrity as much as I can. You know, I hope you know that I'm here for you. And if ever you want to explore it, I'm with you. I think even on that note, like even with, with friendships and because obviously there's levels of intimacy that are probably not healthy to go into within a friendship or even just even, I would even say like a dating kind of relationship. What, what are good ways and just even some, like, cause you've used some interesting phrases there that of being curious and, but how do you approach that with be, with still having a boundary, knowing that maybe there's some avenues and access to the heart that wouldn't be wise to access if the relationship doesn't have a foundation of commitment uh, to that depth? If you're aware that yeah, this wouldn't be a safe thing for me or for the person, this might be a simple answer. Don't go there. Sometimes that's really difficult because your brokenness is hurting me. And if you could just deal with your brokenness, then things would be better in our relationship and I wouldn't be hurt so much. Yeah. Except that you have zero power there. So the boundary is more maybe sharing from what's going on for you, you know, with this anger thing that we're talking about. And I'm just picking on anger. It could be anything, but that's the example I just gave. So with this anger that we're talking about, I actually don't feel safe when you go to those places. And I'd really, I'd really like you to look into that if you would be willing to do that. This is a request, but no always has to be an acceptable answer. So if they say, I'm not doing that. Okay. Step two is contingency plan. Okay. Totally fine. That's your journey. You do not have to look into this. However, that does mean I'm going to have to do some things over here in my yard. So maybe I'm not going to be able to do some of these things. And it's, it's absolutely not punishment in any way. It's just that wouldn't feel safe for me then to do those things or talk about these things or go to these places. We have to resolve this. I hear that and I really do want to resolve this. And yet this way doesn't feel safe for me. And if I ended up getting triggered by this, I won't show up with integrity. And that is not good for me and it's not good for you. So I will, whenever I'm not feeling safe, I will go away and spend time with the Lord so that my heart can open and I can be safe back in this relationship. But please know I won't be sticking around in these interactions if I'm not safe. Yeah, that's really good. 
Well, Tara, this has been an amazing conversation. And, and like we said, we could go on forever. I, I do appreciate the time that you've given here. It's just been an honor to have you on. How could people stay in touch with you, stay in touch with your work and uh, even connect with you if they're feeling out of this conversation that it'd be worthwhile exploring uh, some areas of hurt in their life? Yeah, I don't really have a big landing pad or whatever they call it. I'm so not techie. I have done a number of different interviews, so you probably could Google me. There's some YouTube videos from 100 Huntley Street, 700 Clubs, and different things, so you can find me on Google. Um, My practice is completely full with a ridiculous waiting list, so I'm not even available. But... As far as my writing is concerned, Empowered to Love comes out early July. Look for that. There's some really great resources in there. Um, My first book, An Unexpected Freedom. Even some of the stuff we're talking about, this really allowing the Lord to be the source. So I'm passionate about that. And as he is able to take care of you, things just work better. The things of this world become strangely dim. The relationship with him becomes priority. Like, it's just so cool. So that might be a, a place to find more of my thoughts. I've heard this, that there are a lot of uh, wait lists to see um, therapists and counselors. I think people are recognizing some of the pain and the things that they are like, I'm going to need to work through this, which I really admire. Uh, but I do love that you're recognizing, okay, there's a growing wait list. How would I write a book? And how would I try to take some of the things that I've learned and pass it on to people that where maybe even they're like, I don't know if I have time for therapy. I don't know if I can afford it. I don't know, whatever their concerns might be. I don't, maybe that's embarrassing. I don't know how to admit that to my coworkers that I, whatever, which I think go, I'm, you know, I'm a big advocate for it. But anyway, I love that you're saying here's an accessible way to bring the truth right into your living room or to, you know, right into your lunch break. Just start to think differently about the things that have hurt you and Mm -hmm. it will improve your relationship. So thank you for doing the hard work of that. Not easy to write a book. So that's beautiful. Let me tell you, my poor little brain. <laughs> and also, thankfully, yeah. you've done a an e-course with Focus on the Family of, of uh, approaching unresolved trauma. So it's like you get, I, I can't remember exactly how many sessions it is. I think it's six or eight sessions. I think it's six. Six. Yeah. So you get six sessions of counseling with you completely free on the Focus on the Family website. There you are. There you go. Let me give you one more place. If your marriage is feeling like it's in crisis or you're really struggling, check out whether it's in Ontario with me and a co-therapist or it's in Manitoba or it's in uh, Alberta, Calgary, the Hope Restored Marriage Intensive. It's four days, two therapists, four or five couples. That sounds crazy. Like, oh, we're doing group. No, the group dynamic normalizes things. You learn vicariously watching other people. And you get real therapy and we do trauma work in that setting. And it's so, so, so powerful. Okay. It is, it's not cheap. It's expensive, but it's not more expensive than a five-star resort for a week, but you're getting pampered. You're getting good food. You will be loved on and you're getting good teaching and good therapy. 
it's so worth it because it's way cheaper than divorce and all the hard stuff that can happen. And seriously, it's really powerful to kickstart things to become different. So that's another place that you can have experiential access to the stuff that we're talking about. Love it. Well, thanks again. We, it's just, again, like I've said, it's been a, an honor to have you on. Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us here on the Union Movement Podcast. We hope and pray that today's episode was encouraging and equipping in your walk with Jesus. If you need more information about the Union, you can visit our website, theunionmovement.com, and follow us along on social media under the handle at the Union Movement. 